The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Every week, we're working hard to give you the best episode we can, and we'd love for you to hear about it. So please hit subscribe. We want to keep you in the loop. ADHD is incredibly common. I have it. You might have it. Your children might have it. It's everywhere. But for how common it is, there's a lot of misinformation out there and lack of understanding. My goal with this episode was to get to the truth of what ADHD is, how it impacts young people, and what you can do to be supportive. As always, I had to go to an expert. Diane Dempster is a ADHD coach, author, and speaker, and co-founder of the organization Impact Parents. Diane had a ton of information. I would encourage you to dig deeper by going to impactparents.com compass. There's a special ADHD tip sheet that is just for our listeners. So impactparents.com compass. Check it out. Let's get into the episode. So why are they having a hard time focusing on school? And that really is, by definition, the challenge is if the brain is really interested in something, then it's able to focus. If the brain sees something as boring or hard or uninteresting, the brain is going to, by definition, have a difficult time focusing on it. And so that's that's totally oversimplifying. Um, but at a high level, that's, again, one of the myths. But your your discussion or your story about what it was like as a kid, um, a kid can't get their brain to do what they want it to do or what their parents say you should be able to do. It takes five hours to do something that should take 20 minutes. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's arguing or doesn't know what to do. The kid says, well, I guess I just don't care. I must be stupid. Yeah. You know, there's this there's this cycle of self-esteem or this cycle of defiance that kind of kicks in. But it really underneath it is kids who want to do well, but don't know how to get their brain to do what they want it to do. And so they kind of throw in the towel and say, well, either I don't care or I must be stupid. And you kind of see both ends of that spectrum, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a really sad thing. And how, what, how do you help them then if they're like in the middle of that or struggling in school? Is it just let's put some systems in place and try to help you or? So ADHD is, and we can talk about medication in a minute, but ADHD is about executive function. And I don't know if you know that term, Bobby, but as, as an adult with ADHD, you might. The executive mm -hmm. function is the part of the brain that tells us what to do and what not to do and when to do it. It helps us to organize our backpack. It helps us to make sure we don't yell at our boss. Um, it makes sure yeah. that we get enough sleep. It, it's, it's that sort of kind of self-management part of our brain. And in um, kids, particularly with ADHD, they're that part of their brain is underdeveloped by about 30%, which means they're three to five years behind their peers in some areas of executive function. And so that means by definition, these kids are gonna have a hard time 
organizing their backpack, even though they may be gifted and super smart, those sorts of things. Yeah. On one hand, I'm glad that I didn't have medication when I was young because I felt like it helped me to develop different coping tools. But on the other hand, I kind of wish I did have it because it may have meant a lot less suffering. Even if even if you have a child on medication, medication may assist with focus. What medication doesn't assist with is executive function development. So that delay in executive function will still be there even if a child is on medication or not. And so it recommended treatment, particularly for kids under age 12, is something medication plus something called behavior training. And behavior training isn't sending the kid off to get trained or to off to get therapy. It's really about training the adults in their life, training their parents, training their teachers so that they can help the child begin to manage their ADHD so that the child can be more successful in tapping into that beautiful brain that they have with all these great strengths and challenges um, and, and to be as successful as they can and as independent as they can. So what does that look like then? How can you train yourself to help them? So parent training in behavior management is an opportunity for you to learn about what's going on in your child's brain. Um, our program, Sanity School, is one example of behavior training programs. There are several great behavior training programs out and available for parents. Um, but it's really about connecting with other adults that are going through the same challenges. It's about setting realistic expectations for kids. And a lot of times what happens is that we think our kids should be able to do something. And the reality is that they're, they're not yet able to do it. And so we want to not you know, lower our expectations, but we want to meet our kids where they are and begin to challenge them from there to become more independent, to become more capable, rather than kind of just saying, well, you're in fifth grade, you should be able to do this. Well, the reality is that some of the things that fifth graders do are harder for kids with ADHD than they are for neurotypical kids. So um, connecting with other parents, setting realistic expectations, practicing skills. And so that's one of the things I see parents all the time reading a lot of information, listening to podcasts like your great podcast, like our great podcast at Impact Parents, and they get stuck in information overload. Mm. So they're looking for that magic bullet of, oh, wait, if I just do this, everything will be fine. And my kid will be fine. And we won't have any fights anymore. Or he'll get good grades or she'll get good grades or whatever it is. And the reality is that this is about helping a, another human begin to manage a brain that works differently, right? And it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It just is wired differently. And, and all of us have differently wired brains and we all have strengths and challenges, but there are patterns and specific challenges that come along with ADHD that can make it easier for a parent to hone in and say, oh, it makes sense that you're having a hard time remembering to turn in your homework. Let's help you figure out what's going on and how to and how to put a system in place. And so you were talking about systems earlier, Bobby, and yes, systems are important, but where I see systems break down is that they're not in the context of what's going on. So parents have glorious chore charts and behavior charts and all these other things. And the kid's like, I don't know how to, you know, it's like I, you get points for this and points taken away from that. And, you know, if your system isn't working, chances are you need to take a step back and say, what's really going on here? Do you have a kid who's Kind of given up on themselves? Do you have a kid? Is the expectation higher than is realistic? You know, there's so many different pieces of this. And so what behavior training or the parents can do is to figure out how do I put a system in place that really does work for the kid, that really does work for me as a family? And how do I strengthen my family again so that we have 
that cooperative, collaborative relationship that we need in order to move these kids forward. The challenge I see a lot of parents coming into is when their kids are getting older and have ADHD, it's like you don't want to see them suffer. You want to be able to help them. But on the other hand, you don't want to just coddle them for their whole lives. And that's not really helping them either. Is that something you see much of? I see that all the time. And I would add a third dynamic to it, which is the child's interest in getting help, right? It's mm-hmm. this sort of there's this, there's this point at which someone, it's maybe like as young as nine and as old as 15, depending on the kid. But the, I call it the independence paradox, right? So the kid needs more help than they want. And the, the mm-hmm. parents don't know how to help other than kind of taking, taking charge, right? It's this sort of, we are not taught as parents. We know how, when our kids are young, we know how to say, well, this is what you should do. And here's what we'll do. And you make it fun and you make it light, but you're the one that's directing. We call it the director mode, right? And at yeah. a certain age, director mode starts looking like dictator mode. And so parents say, well, fine, good luck. You know, you take care of it then. And, and the kids aren't ready to take it yet, but there's gotta be this space in between director and hands off, which is where the real work is, is how do I help this child develop the skills to ask for help? How do I help this child feel like they have agency over what's going on in their life, you know, giving even choices about, do you want to do your homework after school or do you want to go out and play for an hour and then come back in and finish your homework? I mean, the more agency and independence we can give our kids, the more they're going to feel like, oh, I am on some level in charge and they might be more interested and available to ask for help. Mm. You were talking a little bit earlier about hyper-focus And sometimes people with ADHD can just like hyper-focus on their emotions, or if it's a negative emotion, you can get really stuck in it. Um, That's a tough one. Well, how do you break that? Well, so I think the first thing is to acknowledge that it's hyper-focus, right? Mm -hmm. It's this sort of, a lot of times when our kids get hyper-focused on emotion, especially if it's a negative emotion, we we wanna reverse it. So we see a kid saying, oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, I mean, I've, I've had parents with kids who say, I want to kill myself. This is terrible. I can't believe why am I even alive? I mean, really kind of destructive self-esteem, emotional reactions. And we want to reverse it. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, you know, we don't want to see our kids in pain. And it, it actually ends up being counterintuitive because what the kid needs is acknowledgement of what they're feeling. Right? Mm. It's sort of if we start with, wow, this is a human that's really struggling to feel good about their situation and say, wow, I can tell you're really upset about this. It makes sense. You've been working on this homework for five hours and you still don't have it done. I'd be upset if I was working so hard and things weren't getting done, you know, and, and help them to calm down first. So if you recognize that it's two parts of the process, one is, you know, breaking away from the hyper-focus of the emotion and the other is solving the problem at hand. And so many times we want to try to do the same thing at the same time. And the reality is, a, a triggered or upset person or overwhelmed person is not available to problem solve. We need to get them calm enough so that they'll re-engage. That makes perfect sense. And when you're in the heat of the moment, it's hard to really kind of break down and figure things out. My mom has ADHD. And is that how ADHD, like, is it getting passed along or is it in like GMO food or where's this coming from even? <laughs> So absolutely is genetic, right? And so, you know, about about 50%, you can tell that if you've got a kid with ADHD, one or the other parent is likely to have it in some way, shape or form. And I think that that's the other piece to understand is that 
ADHD, like autism spectrum, spectrum disorder is a continuum, right? And so some people are really very functional and just have slight symptoms. Other people are, are, are really struggling. And particularly if you're comparing an adult to a child, you know, it may not look the same. Um, but yes, highly genetic. Um, chances are you got it from your mom if you feel like, if you know your mom has it as well. Yeah. We have a lot of parents who get, when their kid gets diagnosed, they're like, oh, wait, maybe me. And then they get diagnosed and suddenly their life makes sense. I think another challenge in this day and age is cell phones, or it seems like the ultimate ADHD device, because it's always there. You can pick it up, something fast and hopefully interesting is there. Are you seeing an impact that cell phones are having with youth with ADHD? I think that technology is having an impact on everybody. And yeah. I think that the distinction, is, like you said, there's this instant stimulation. I mean, I'm, I'm a neurotypical adult in theory, although I'm a single mom who went through menopause. I mean, it's like I have as much stress as the rest of us, but it, it's easy to pick it up and use it as a coping mechanism. The distinction I would use with people with executive function challenges, like people with ADHD, is that it might be harder for them to, to let go of the hyperfocus and go, oh, wait do I really want to be on my computer for 17 hours straight? Or is there something else that I should be doing? And, and it's particularly hard for kids because it feels good. They're getting rewarded. They're getting a dopamine hit, which is part of what their brain needs is, is some more, uh, some more of the chemicals that really help their brain to focus. So there, it differentially impacts people with ADHD um, in often in, in typical situations, not always, but typically. Well, you're talking about dopamine hits and things too. Are people with ADD or ADHD more prone to addiction then? So, and I was just interviewing. So I, I want to caveat here. So I'm not an expert in terms of diagnostics and things like that. I'm a parent coach. And I just interviewed last week some folks that were talking about exactly what you're describing. Statistically, if someone is managing their ADHD, they are less likely to get addicted to some, some mm. other substance. If someone is not managing their ADHD, that's where we see an increase, significant increase in addiction because they're looking to alcohol, they're looking to pot, they're looking to other substances, cigarettes, you know, to help them manage their brain chemistry because they're not doing what they need to do in terms of exercise or good diet or sleep or medication that can help to manage their ADHD um, more effectively without addiction issues. Well, and making me think about that addiction is usually the symptom, like not the issue itself. So I could see like, if you're feeling bad, or you feel like your life isn't managed in some way, how you could turn to that too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't feel good about myself. I want to feel good. I feel really good when I smoke pot. I'm not saying that for me. But it's like, if it uh -huh. feels really good to smoke pot or to drink, you're right. Absolutely. It's going to be the, the link between ADHD and anxiety and ADHD and depression, I mean, all of those sorts of interplays that happen, again, because if you've got a brain, you can't get your brain to do what you want it to do or what mom or dad or the teacher says you should be able to do, there's going to be a self-esteem risk there, which is likely to lead, lead to anxiety and depression, which is why these kids are more likely to have those challenges than neurotypical kids are. So often in this conversation, we get focused on all the negative things, but are there any joys to ADHD or anything? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I joke because I am neurotypical, but I have, you know, my mom was an adult with ADHD, my ex-husband, my three kids, my now partner, you know, there, 
super creative in the moment. I think that that's, there's so many strengths. A lot of individuals with ADHD tend to be more empathic and sensitive, which is absolutely a strength. Um, but like anyone, there are strengths and challenges. And, you know, I was having a, a kind of a debate the other day about whether or not ADDers by nature are are more creative or whether it's because they're just in the more in the moment more and so they're more tapped into oh wait I could do this I could do that rather than thinking about the plan and the scheme and the everything else that, that the rest of us tend to spend more time focused on I lead a nonprofit organization and I feel like it makes me a better multitasker sometimes mm -hmm. or it's like in business you have to get a lot of things done and so I feel like it's helped me in that way this has been a great conversation. I feel like we really covered a lot of ground with this one. We did so many yeah. different pieces of it. Well, and I, and I just kind of going back to, you know, how to how to best help kids with ADHD, and and the best way to help kids with ADHD is to give them tools to begin to manage their ADHD because most of them will have challenges with their ADHD for some large portion of their life, and they don't know how to they don't know how their brain works, and so we get to we get to help them learn how their brain works, and we get to help them to begin to learn tools and strategies that will help their brain to be as effective as they need it or want it to be. And so that's where kind of parent support comes in, which we didn't talk a lot about, but it's really an important feature of the whole thing. Well, where can people learn more about you and your organization and everything? My company is called Impact Parents. Um, our website is impactparents.com. Um, and we do parent, parent training, we do parent coaching. There's a lot of free resources with great information about how to support your kid with ADHD, anxiety, autism. Uh, we call them complex kids. So if you have a kid who has more than just ADHD, you are wel more than welcome in our site. And if you have a kid who doesn't have ADHD, you're more than welcome at our site. Um, I've got a free gift for folks who are listening to us today at impactparents.com compass. And I think you'll have the link in the show notes. And so if people are interested in a free tip sheet, again, building on some of the stuff we talked about today and helping complex kids with ADHD. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bobby. It's great to talk to you. Thank you, Diane. Impactparents.com slash compass. Get the tip sheet. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. On behalf of them and myself, Bobby Williams, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.